Welcome back to another podcast interview. And today I have the honor to welcome Guy Kawasaki. Guy is the former chief evangelist of Apple. By the way, he quit Apple twice. He is the chief evangelist at Canva, brand ambassador for Mercedes-Benz, author of 15 books and a lot more that we can talk about in the, in the interview. So thank you very, very much for joining. Um, I'm really happy to have you here. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, you know, you're in Germany, right? And I'm a Mercedes-Benz brand ambassador. So I love German cars. Let's see if we can uh, see us in Stuttgart or Berlin at any time. Ah, I, <laughs> anytime, anytime you want. <laughs> I think it's more about you coming to Germany, but I will figure that out. So that's, <laughs> that's not a problem. I, I can fly anywhere because Germany is pretty small compared to the U.S. So that's yeah. not a problem. Okay. As it I, was... I've, I've spent many an hour in the Frankfurt airport. Believe me, man. It's the most confusing airport in the world. <laughs> it is. That's why I don't fly from there. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, you know, direct opposite, Munich. I love the Munich airport. You know, Munich airport, you get off your airplane and sometimes there's a Mercedes or a Porsche waiting for you, take you to your next flight. And Munich is good. That means that you're flying at least business or first class, which is not my <laughs> normal way to fly and travel. But I think that's totally fine. And I'm, well, I think it will happen to me at some point, but it didn't okay. yet. <laughs> When I was your age, I was flying in coach. So Yeah, worry. so that's, that's the same for me. As I'm 22, I have a lot of time to get to first class. So I don't, don't really um, yeah, okay. feel bad right now. <laughs> What I find is interesting that uh, you started with, at Stanford University yep. and I really had to love when you told the story that you were paying some of the checks with money from Las Vegas as you yeah. and your father were um, playing a bit of poker there and some, some other... Well, it was craps, but yeah, close enough. <laughs> okay, sorry, then I didn't, didn't recognize it that much. But... How do you feel about looking back to all the achievements that you have in the, the age that you have right now and you wrote the book and you really got through all the details in your life and tried yeah. to pull out wisdom from there? Yeah. How was the feeling while writing the book? It was very satisfying because you know, I've had a lot of experiences in my life that have generated a lot of wisdom and I wanted to pass the wisdom on. Uh, I don't want people to think I've gone through my life done, doing everything right, because that's certainly not the case. And at least if you read my book, you'll know what to avoid. So that, that was a valuable perspective. And I wanted to leave something where I helped empower people. Uh, but I, I, I want to be perfectly clear about this book. It's not a memoir or autobiography in the sense that, you know, Ferdinand Porsche could have an autobiography or uh, Nelson Mandela or yeah, Michelle Obama, but not Guy Kawasaki. Um, my life is not that dramatic. There won't be any movies about my life. But having said that, you know, I'm probably in the sweet spot of many people's lives about the kind of decisions, the kind of wisdom that would help them. That's what you say that you don't earn or whatever Uh, an autobiography I think yeah. some other people might think different but it's very interesting what I really loved about the book as we are all living in a business world at some point and everybody is just talking about business and nowadays yeah. that you really brought in family sports and everything else to really make it different from all the books that are coming out right now which I really really loved and I really appreciate 
And what I also think is an interesting point is that you started um, learning new sports activities with your <laughs> children. Uh, very late, yes. Very late. I think starting with 60, surfing, 62, something like that. Uh, surfing was 62 and hockey was 48. And uh, so, so, you know, many people, what they do is they make their kids or they encourage their kids to take up their profession or their sport, right? So if you're a football player, you make your kid take a football, hockey or basketball or I don't know, whatever it is, surfing or knitting or whatever it is. I had the opposite. And so when my two older sons took up hockey, I took up hockey. And when my daughter took up surfing, I took up surfing. Uh, having said that, I drew the line at one place because one of my sons is now a wingsuiter and wingsuiting is something I will not do. I draw the line there. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can understand that because I think wingsuiting is something, it sounds so dangerous, but I think you told or you wrote about it in the book that it, if you know some of the, um, or how to do it, it seems not to be that scary anymore, but well, I <laughs> You're not going to get me to try that. And, and listen, you know, you don't just go out and go wingsuiting. I think you have to take about two or three hundred um, parachute jumps before you can do a wingsuit jump. So th that ain't happening for me. A lot of hours that you would have. Yes, to, yes. To it's not something you, you know, it's not something you just go on a weekend dare. <laughs> what, um, what I'm interested in at the moment is I think you talked about it a bit in the book, but I'm focusing on the topic right now a bit, and mm -hmm. I think a question that might interest a few people as you work with people like Steve Jobs and whatever, and I don't want to make it about Steve Jobs and whatever, but what role did mentors play in your life? Yes. So I had a, you know, two, three mentors in my life, one who taught me sales, one who helped me navigate Apple. Uh, they were very valuable. Uh, they helped me avoid many mistakes. They also sort of paved the way for me. They, uh, you know, the term we like to use in the U.S. for parents who do this is their lawnmower parents and that they're in front of you and they just mow everything down so it's easier for you. So I had a few mentors who you know, kind of mowed a few things down for me. Uh, very valuable. Although I will tell you, I don't consider myself a very good mentor because I, I just, I have four kids and raising four kids is hard enough. So I don't really have any mental capacity to help anybody else. Um, I can, I can make things move, but I can't make them move all the time for a small group of people beyond my family. How's that? I just wanted to know about your mentors and how yeah. you liked it and not about you being a mentor as you are as a parent. <laughs> it's like you're mentoring kind of, in, a, in any way you're mentoring your, your children as well. So I think yeah. children are a lot, um, to do so <laughs> even when i do not have the experience with that i don't think and that that was also not a question what about you mentoring but yeah. more like how important mentors have been or not very <laughs> regarding regarding your time at apple i yes. i think you were talking a bit about that not everything was perfect all the time and you had some some struggles there but I do not want to talk too much about, about Apple, but what did you learn at Apple that you are now using at Canva? Yeah, well, I think that uh, 
there's many lessons from Apple that I use at Canva and in general. So one lesson is that people, your current customers can't necessarily tell you how to truly be innovative. Basically, they will tell you to build whatever they're getting from you in a better, faster, cheaper way. Right. So if you're buying an Apple II from Apple, you're not going to tell Apple to create a Macintosh. If you're buying a Macintosh from Apple, you're not going to tell Apple to create an iOS device. Uh, another thing that I learned is that design counts. Uh, it certainly counted with Macintosh and it certainly counts with the user interface of Canva. Another thing is that I learned that if people truly love what you do, they will go just leaps and bounds beyond what you think and help you. There are people who are Macintosh evangelists. There are people who are Canva evangelists. They're not shareholders. They're not employees. They just love, just love what you do. And so they view it as they're telling their friends and relatives to use something, not because it's good for them, but because it's good for the other person. And, and that is a, you know, a very good definition of evangelism. Very interesting because I think a lot of people in my age might mm -hmm. not really understand what evangelism is about and yeah. why it's so important. Because I think without your work as an evangelist, I might not use my MacBook right now with all the software <laughs> that I have. That's, that's, that's possible. I mean, I, I don't, you know, it's not like my work or my effort or whatever that I was indispensable for Apple, but Yeah, I, I helped out. <laughs> What I also think you gave as an advice for younger people is that you, or also for everybody who might be a designer, a freelancer in any case, or want to achieve something maybe more than normal people, is that you have to work for free and put in the work up front, yeah. which is a very, very interesting point nowadays where everybody wants to have everything right now and that also means cash for the work you do right now or yeah uh and listen there are going to be a lot of people who disagree with what i just said or what you just said that i said um you know uh, the example i use is of course graphic design that when i wanted a book cover designed i you know put it out on social media and i got 750 designs and i picked one and only that one person made a thousand dollars so the graphic design industry would say that I exploited 749 people and I only paid one. Uh, my attitude is, listen, I gave 750 people who would have never had a shot, a shot. So uh, in my own career, I have given hundreds of free speeches, okay? And these free speeches led to paid speeches because you give a free speech and somebody says, oh, you know, guy was great. My husband, my wife is having a corporate meeting. They need somebody like him. So a free speech led to a paid speech. If I had the attitude that I will not do any free speeches, I would not have nearly as many paid speeches. And so, you know, you have to give to get. Yeah, it's very interesting. As I mentioned, a lot of young people right now, as we are used to getting everything in the moment, yeah, is are are maybe pretty unsatisfied by providing work first, and then try or wait for receiving something as a reward. Well, so, they better get over it because that's how the world works. Sure, sure, and I think you might not know that, and some of the listeners as well. I think I'm managing that quite well I, not perfectly but it's it's okay 
But I think, and I see it with a lot of my friends that are, let's say at university right now, and they're like, hey, how can you do hours and hours of podcasting or speaking or t talking to younger people and then not getting paid for it? And I'm like, why shouldn't I? And a lot of people don't have the mindset. And that's, that's very interesting. You know, I, I, it's the, the right word is mindset, right? So, I mean, athletics is an easy example. So we'll stick with that for a second. But for, for every professional athlete, there were thousands of hours where you played practice for free. It's not like, you know, the moment you decide to become a professional athlete uh, in high school that all of a sudden you're paid. I mean, you're not paid in high school. You're not paid in college. And then you might get drafted and then you might make the team and then you might play. And even if you play, you still have to practice beyond, you know, what, what is expected during the season. So if you don't have the attitude that you're going to invest in yourself and you're going to work your ass off, lightning may strike. You may just get lucky, but it's unlikely. And so, uh, you know, people ask me, so how long did it take to write this book? Well, in one sense, it took me two years. In another sense, it took me 64 years. And that's just how it is. And uh, if you spread what I'm making over this, for this book over 64 years, let me tell you, it ain't much. So uh, it's, you just have to pay the price. And you can't get, if you can't wrap your mind around paying the price, then, yeah, I don't know, just go be an investment banker or something. I don't know. <laughs> Besides putting in the work up front and paying the price, what would you consider critical advice for younger people at the moment? Well, I would say that I think younger people, they are, they, and I did this too, you know, you try to optimize that first job out of school, right? And you want to find that perfect thing. And I think you need to like chill out because over the course of your career, you're going to have so many jobs. You're probably going to forget what your first job was. And uh, as long as you're learning, any job is good. So, you know, don't worry about, you know, getting that perfect first job, second job, whatever. Just just dive into stuff. And I'm not, you know, I'm not telling you to be lazy or anything and, and not try to best your best to get a good job. But I don't think you should, you know, if you didn't get accepted by Apple, Google, uh, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Cisco, you know, whatever. If you didn't get that like Fortune 500 brand job, don't worry about it because, you know, maybe you're starting at a company that will become a Fortune 500 company or maybe you're just gaining a skill set that will someday pay off. And, uh, you know, that, that you will forget your first job, I promise you. Does this also relate to not try to come through university as quick as possible well that's my theory of course i don't i hope my kids don't apply it too strongly but i i think that um the university time in your life is going to be one of the happiest times of your life when all you had to do was study and you meet all these new people and you don't have you know kids and cars and mortgages and all that kind of stuff uh you should enjoy that because man you have the whole rest of your life to work don't be in a rush to go to work. Let's see if your kids are just surfing during <laughs> university life or if they are um, yeah, we shall see. not we stretching shall it out see. too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on stretching in your definition. <laughs> <laughs>
what would you consider a good age to really start thinking about going into the work um yeah let's say world working world i don't know 22 something like that you know 20 22 something like that okay just just asking as <laughs> so now i should start working for somebody so <laughs> Okay, well, good. I mean, not necessarily. There are many paths to success. There's no, you know, there's no straight and simple one. As you or let, let me let me ask a different question. Yeah. Um, what was the book? Um, I think I know the answer because I read it in your book. But what was the book you gave away the most over the last years? Gave away? You mean not my own book, obviously, right? Exactly. So. Uh, well, let's say the book I've recommended the most is If You Want to Write by Brenda Hewlett because it's so empowered me as a writer and it can empower anyone to do anything. It's not just for writers. It's for programmers, designers, musicians, actors, videographers, anything you want to do that's creative, you should read this book if you want to write. Why did it inspire you so much? Because it basically said if you want to write, write. Don't worry about, you know, you don't have a PhD in English. Uh, don't worry about external people saying, you know, how can you be a writer? You don't have an advanced degree. You've never written before. You should ignore the negativity from the outside. You should also ignore the doubt that you have inside that, you know, how can I be a writer? I don't have a PhD in English. Well, you don't need a PhD in English to write. Just write. And same thing. You don't need a PhD in computer science to program. You don't need a PhD in, you know, media arts to be a videographer just if you want to shoot video and make movies make movies so it's really about the mindset that you need to yes. start Gross and mindset. not yes. always to procrastinate yes well it's not even procrastination i mean you you could have the attitude that you're a very diligent hard worker and you're going to get a phd in english and then you'll write something And this is saying that you don't necessarily need a PhD in English. Now, if you're getting a PhD in English, I'm not telling you to stop. I mean, that may be your life dream to be a doctorate of English. But you know, I don't think you should make the calculation that well, in order for me to write a book, I need a PhD in English. In order for me to be a computer a programmer, I need a PhD in computer science. In order for me to be a anything, I need a master's or anything in anything. Just do it. It's very important because as well, nowadays, everybody is like, what does other people think? What do other people think about what I'm doing right now? Who gives a shit? Just yeah. do it. <laughs> But everybody has the mindset to think first about the other people and then about themselves. Or a That's lot of true. People. I'm telling you, get over that. <laughs> sure. Sure. You're right. Listen, I just... Let me tell you something. You know, um, if you were to ask most people, what do you think? I'm going to start surfing at 62 guess what most people would tell you <laughs> yeah, that you don't or won't make it that's right and you're too old yeah but it seems like you made it so and you can stand you can stand on the board and you can surf that's that's and, made it in the terms of just getting to surf and i can have a lot of fun surfing yes yeah that's the most important thing and i think <laughs> Um, that comes along with the mindset that you have and that you don't take life too serious. As, <laughs> as I told you before, um, I, and I heard it in a book that it's happened a lot of times, first with Jackie Chan and then with Robert Kiyosaki, <laughs> that people mix you up sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. even when we met in Frankfurt already, and I told you about Canva, 
in a yeah. mail, I made it, I made a mistake and I said, I love rich dad, poor dad. And <laughs> I was like, holy shit, hopefully he won't read it. I, I sh- <laughs> mail afterwards immediately with saying sorry. And it was more, way more embarrassing when I saw that you read the mail, you answered it. And I was like, no way, this couldn't happen. But you don't take it too serious. And you, you mentioned this in the book. And I, I think that's also the same kind of attitude that helps you getting over people thinking, oh, he's too old to start. Um, well, surfing. I mean, even more importantly, uh, A, you shouldn't take yourself too damn serious. And B, you know, people make mistakes. So, you know what? Don't hold it against them. And see, you know, like, if you're going to go through life easily offended, you're going to have a miserable life, man. <laughs> you got you to gotta learn to just ignore people and ignore funny stuff or appreciate the humor in funny stuff. The cool thing about your email was, ha, huh, I thought a joke. I'm just quoting. That's what you answered me while you could have been upset or whatever. <laughs> so I really love the response, but it was still embarrassed okay so so here's here's a tricky part so in this book i tell this story about people confusing me with jackie chan and robert kiyosaki and so now sometimes people who've read the book or have heard the story they come up to me and they say you know i love rich dad poor dad and every time i have to think do they really think i'm kiyosaki or are they pulling my leg because they read the book so now it's even harder because they're there are many times in the past few weeks, people come up to me and they like say, oh, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. They start laughing. And I don't know if they're laughing because it's an inside joke or they're laughing because, I don't know, they're happy or something. So now, I, and, you know, if I went into this whole diatribe, then, then they're going to say, oh, yeah, I'm pulling your leg. I knew you're not Ralph, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. So I've made it even harder for myself. <laughs> I have to be honest, I made the mistake first and then I read the book and then I was like, shit, I could have said it was a joke. <laughs> but I, I fooled myself by answering, no, it wasn't as a joke. I was just mixing up. But yeah, okay. it, it happened. But it was, hey, I'm here, right? I'm on your podcast, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm really happy about that. So <laughs> I, I don't complain. I just wanted to show that to other people as well and show that maybe some of them and even myself might take ourselves too too uh, serious and maybe we can definitely well we definitely can learn something from that story so that's what i wanted to refer to (laughs) so what i also think is um pretty cool what you talked about before is like giving speeches for free and then some of them lead to paid speeches but also you're not always out there for money. And sometimes it's also about somebody giving you freebies or whatever. I know <laughs> that you turned it down in the, in the meantime, but I really love the story where you got um, access to a webcam in Santa Cruz to check yeah. out the surfing conditions and then yeah. bought a house there to go surfing. Or maybe you bought a yeah, house before. But. I have, uh, although there's a professional service that now has a better view for where I go, but for a while I had access to one of the most exclusive webcams in the world because it was on top of Jack O'Neill's house in Santa Cruz and on top of Jack O'Neill's house in Santa Cruz, that that house, if people are familiar is right on the cliff. I mean, there is not a more famous house in surfing than that house. Uh, Maybe the one at pipeline, but uh, yeah, that was a great view. So when do you think about, or how do you decide on getting 
money, doing it for free, or getting something else in return? Uh, you know, it's catch as catch can. I mean, uh, well, there's there's three kind of main factors, right? So one is, is it an organization or industry that I like? Another is, you know, do I feel a moral obligation to help this kind of organization? And the third is, you know, how much fun would it be? And so, you know, any two of those three would work. So sometimes, like, I feel a moral obligation to help educators and, you know, the conference is in Kona. Well, hell yes, I, you know, I'd go. Um, uh, Generally speaking, I, I, what, what gates me in accepting speeches is that it takes me away from my family. So, you know, if, if somebody says, well, we're having this conference with 2,000 people in the south of France and it'll be, you know, just all the, the cream of marketing or social media or whatever, or, you know, we're a, a large brand and we don't pay speakers, honestly, I would turn them down because that would be something like, okay, so you clearly have the money. You're probably going to spend two, $3 million on this conference, but you expect me to do this for free because you think I want to get on an airplane, fly to the south of France, take four days of my life for free and take me away from my family for four days. I won't do it. I won't do it. So some of it is who's asking. And if, you know, if my perception is you're rich and successful and you're making a lot on this conference, I am not doing it for free. To be honest, it sounded like the lions of Cannes, like the Cannes lions, but um, south of France, marketing decision makers. <laughs> no, they, they, they never have invited me. You know, I'm not good enough for them. So I, I, I didn't mean it to point to them. No, it's, 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 it's <laughs> fine. I was just, uh, just uh, trying to figure it out. But I think everybody who can't understand that yet should definitely listen to the last part of the book where, you, where your son writes something about you where you're flying with a private jet just to catch his football game that's how much you want to be with your family and i think um, everybody who wants to invite you should consider a good solution for that uh, struggle if it's not close to where you live yeah thank you <laughs> um i had one more question in mind but right okay. now i'm like a bit confused what did i want to ask <laughs> i don't know ah yeah um, I think it's very, very hard to imagine, but can you take us into your life right now? And how does it look like? Like, how is a typical week going at, in the oh. life of Guy Kawasaki? Uh, well, right now, I just finished the book. So I'm doing a lot of these and appearances. Uh, but you know, that only happens once every two or three years. So generally speaking, I get up, I make breakfast for my youngest son, who's still with us. And then I take them to school. Then I go to a coffee shop and I answer email and do social media. And then, then I work, you know, a few hours doing that. Then I eat lunch and then I do more email and social media. And then I go pick up my son. And you know, <laughs> uh, some days uh, when my wife picks him up, I just go surfing during the day. So you know, basically, I answer email, I do social media, and I surf. That sounds not too bad. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. Also, the coffees and the and the lunch um, seems to be a good good option. Pizza so, sharp stick in the eye. Yeah. How often do you do you travel for some events or speeches? Uh, you know, I could I could look in Tripit and tell you exactly. I think I make about a hundred 
trips a year and probably do 75 speeches. So something like that. 75 speeches, maybe 100 trips a year. That's a lot, to be honest. I travel a lot, yeah. So how often do you fly to Europe, for example? Oh, or Asia yeah. or whatever, like everything that's outside of the US and more than, let's say, three, four hours flight. Uh, well, New York is more than three or four hours. So, okay. uh, but outside the country, oh, 20 times a year, maybe okay. something like that. Uh, South America, Europe, Asia, Canada. Yeah, I mean, I, I travel a lot. And I know almost... Every major city in the world, the airport, the hotel, and the and the and the road getting to the airport and back. Because so I, no. I I fly in and out. Like I I'll come to if I were speaking in in Germany, I would fly in. I'd get there the morning uh, the the evening before. I would speak the next morning and try to leave the same day. I spend, you know, an ideal trip for me is 24 hours in the city. Okay. So now I have to ask, as you say that you know the most major airports, um, compare Berlin to Munich or Frankfurt. Like, what, how do you like the airports there? Yeah, you know, I, I've only been to Berlin three or four times. So I don't, have a, I don't have a particularly strong memory of the Berlin airport. I have a very strong memory of Frankfurt because Frankfurt, I mean, Oh, with Frankfurt, you know, you land and then you, it seems like you go through security and customs and then you go back out and then you go back through another security and then every 50 feet, there's a sign that says, you know, this is the Lufthansa lounge and it's pointing in a different direction. And then you go through security again. And uh, Frankfurt to me is just a maze. <laughs> and there's multiple levels of it. Oh my God. <laughs> So we should definitely talk to Mercedes-Benz and tell them to bring you to Berlin that you can uh, evaluate the airports as well. Okay. <laughs> so um, if somebody in my age comes to you and asks you for advice, what is yeah. the most common advice that you give to young people? Well, I mean, it depends on what they ask. Um, if they're asking general advice, I would say just live off your parents as long as you can and don't worry about your first job. And if you're starting a company, focus on the prototype, not on the pitch. Okay. Okay. So, sure. <laughs> it's your answer. So why shouldn't That's it be? That's my answer. Yeah, exactly. Um, focusing on the prototype and not the pitch means don't oversell what you have or just try to figure out a product like the MVP first and then go out with it without overpromising? No, it, it means that the, the purpose of a company is to create customers, not create PowerPoint or Keynote or even Canva. Canva has 16 by nine presentations now. So the key is not the pitch. The key is the company or the product. And the product is the prototype. I mean, in a good pitch, you would do a demo, not have to use slides. I think that's very important for a lot of entrepreneurs out there that start uh, a company right now. So mm -hmm. very, very interesting. Thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> let's see where I can go in the last, let's say five minutes. So there's a lot of stuff that I could ask you right now. Mm. Just tell people to buy the book. That makes it simple. <laughs> I, I, I um, send it out a few times already. So oh, thank you. Let's let's go.
for let, let's go for this um i would say or i would call everybody who listens to the podcast or sees a video or recording of that to hit me up on instagram i put that in the show notes and tell me what key takeaways you had from this interview like what did you like the most what what didn't you and then um between all the answers that i get i will give away let's say 10 books oh. and i might increase the number if i if i get more relevant um messages well, but let's start with you 10 should, you should send me you should send me the link to the instagram post and then i'll post it and say okay so you want to try and win a book go to this instagram post oh but no you have to watch the podcast first right yes you have to but i can yeah, send- so- I'll, yeah. I'll send you the link to the podcast okay. or I, I'll okay. share it on LinkedIn and then you can, you can um, reshare it or whatever. Yeah. And then we can, we can do it that way. And so, so, so send it to me via email, not LinkedIn because LinkedIn messages is a mess for me. I get too many of them. And you know, so many of those LinkedIn messages are total strangers saying, you know, let's connect. Well, why should I connect with you? Who the hell are you? So, that's not an efficient way to get in touch with me. No, I didn't mean it. I just meant that I posted on LinkedIn first so you can reshare oh, it. Oh, I okay, sent okay, a okay. link off LinkedIn yeah. in a mail. Okay. So then everything should be fine. And then you can you don't have to type in everything on your own because I think, uh, of course, you're doing a lot of social media, but we don't have to, do, to increase the time that you spend on social media. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We can keep that short. Good so, point. okay, let's say... If, if you share it, I have to increase the number because I can't tell people <laughs> that I just have 10 books if you share it somewhere. Buy more. <laughs> Let, let's do 50. Let's do okay. 50 if people send me messages on, on Instagram or LinkedIn as we share it yeah. there as well. Wait, wait, before you do this, you understand that 50 books, or A, is going to cost you a thousand bucks right there. And I'm then, sure. And then what if you know the question comes from i don't know like afghanistan and you know it's not so easy to ship stuff to afghanistan or i don't know you know sao paulo or something you you could spend you could it could cost you 50 bucks to ship a book let's just say we make that happen somehow and i'm uh i'm happy to to share the books if somebody is uh, listening there even when it might cost a bit i know that it will be worth it so let's um, let's go for the 50 ones and then uh, I won't good. increase anymore, but that ah. will be too expensive. But I think, I think that's not too bad. And then okay. start from there and let's see if, uh, how many messages we will get. And okay. so right. what would you want to say about the book in the end? Um, even when okay. we, so basically the book summarizes about 40 years of living and if, if, the listener is familiar with the chicken soup for the soul books, you know, stories and lessons. Uh, this is like my personal version of chicken soup for the soul. So short story. And I call out the wisdom for each one. And it's not just business. It's a lot of business, but it's also life. It's, you know, sports and parenting and kids and writing and speaking. So it, there's a lot of stuff. It's very, it's a very broad book about how to how to live your life i can definitely recommend the book that's also why i want to give it away so you're you're happy to buy it or to to send me a message about it and then please feel free to read or listen to it because it's definitely worth it i listened to it in the last two days and i was i had a lot of moments where i needed needed a lot of a, a long laugh 
because it was like really, <laughs> but also a lot of learning. So it's That's very, great. very important to, to listen to it and you will learn a lot. And Guy, thank you very much. I know that you will go to the next appointment in a few minutes. So thank you. I'm grateful for this opportunity. Take care. You too. Have a long, uh, a great day as your day is starting and mine is ending here in Berlin. <laughs> and, um, I'll see you on the Autobahn sometime. <laughs> hopefully in, in, in Germany or the next me convention, South by Southwest. We will meet again. So Okay. Thank you. Up. Thank you very much. We're at Frankfurt Auto Show. Okay. Yeah, the e i a a is it i a i international i don't know something like something that. like that I, okay yeah. if i know that you're coming i will get it's there <laughs> okay perfect okay thank See you, you. There. thank Take you very care. much Bye-bye. bye thank you very much for listening to the digital leaders podcast and the interview with guy kawasaki just to clear a bit out um how you can enter the giveaway and where to find more so if you want to join the giveaway, then please feel free to subscribe to the newsletter. You can find it on thevaluelab.co slash news, or you can um, go to Instagram, search Digital Leaders Podcast, and then if you click on the link, um, the last button is um, yeah, the enter for the entry ticket for the newsletter. And I am more than happy to announce the winners in four weeks. So I will give them the giveaway a bit of time just because I think it's great to to give more people the opportunity that will also listen to this interview because of some others that I might launch. And um, I'm more than happy as well to announce that the next guest on the podcast will be Brecken Darrell. He's the CEO of Logitech. We talked about his turnaround story with Logitech and he really, really, really helped this company out of uh, a shitty situation and I think he quadrupled or sixtupled the value of the shares, which means the company value and it's hilarious how relaxed he is, what great insights he has and I'm really, really happy to announce the interview already and if you want to be on track uh, what's happening around the digital leaders podcast there are a few options i'll link them down below as well you can follow me fabian.tausch at instagram you can follow the digital leaders podcast on instagram you can join the linkedin community i'll link it below or you can subscribe to the newsletter i hope Uh, You enjoyed the interview, and if you did, um, I would be more than happy to receive a positive review on iTunes. I think it's the best way to grow as a podcaster and to spread the word. Um, But I will also share the best comments on social media. If you share it, um, make sure to link my private profile or the Digital Leaders Podcast profile on Instagram, for example, or on LinkedIn. And then I will read out the best um, reviews or the coolest social media posts about it And in the next episode, in the introduction. And I'm really, really looking forward to this journey. I conducted more than 20 interviews already, so it will be fun. You will and have really, really great people joining us in the, in the podcast. And it will be a really, really great journey. Thank you very much for listening. 
This is Fabian Tausch and see you next week.